You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. And the church said, good to see everyone today at church. I'm glad you are here. This is a new day of worship, a new day of praise. It's a good day. So, um, hey, today uh, I want to... I want to, uh, first of all, I want to just, let's just pray. How about that? We'll start off with prayer. God, we humble ourselves before you, and oh, Lord, we always need you, God. But sometimes things happen in this world that just remind us how badly we need you. Sometimes things happen in our life that remind us that you are our only hope. You are our God. You're our redeemer, our provider our maker, our healer. You are it all, Lord. We humble ourselves before you. We ask you to be here in a powerful way. I know you're already here. You've been with us in this time of worship and praise. I know you love to hear your children worship you. On this side of heaven, God, we just give our praise to you. God, I want to pray for those who are online right now. Would you speak to them right now, Lord, as maybe they're sitting down on their sofa or their chair or standing, whatever they're doing, or maybe they're in the car right now, would you just speak to them, God? May they sense your presence right where they're at, God. Would you encourage, convict, strengthen, whatever you need to do, Lord. You know their life, and you have drawn them to, to listen to this video, to watch this video. So meet with them. Meet with us, Lord. Watch over us. Protect us. Have your way here, God, and do whatever you need to do. I pray also for that amber alert that's going off, God. You know what's happening right there, Lord. So I pray that, uh, that, you, uh, that you find, you, you rescue, you do whatever you need to do, God. We turn to you with every detail of our life, God. And just as Riley mentioned, God, we just pray against this coronavirus in the name of Jesus. We just pray for your healing, Lord. Pray for our country to turn to you. Watch over us, God, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to be at church today. Aren't you glad to be at church today? It's a good day to be at church. It's a different day. Um, I want to make something clear. Our hope and our faith is in Jesus Christ. I want to make something clear. We are citizens of heaven, and we are going through this world. I want to make that clear, that our hope is in God, the living God, the provider, the redeemer, our protector, our healer. Whether it's short or long, we are putting our faith and our hope in God and his word. Can I get an amen from that? Can you just put your hands together if you just agree with that in the name of Jesus? If you're watching us online, thank you for tuning in. I want to encourage you to watch the entire service, and I believe God has a word for you. Um, you're not here by accident. So, hey, on March, uh, uh, March 11, 2020, the coronavirus was officially labeled a pandemic. Anybody remember that day? We're living in days of history, aren't we? On March 12th, I believe there was a psychological shift, a shift in our psyche. You know what happened on March 12th? This was the day the Final Four tournament was canceled. And I believe when that happened, people were maybe like, whoa, this is serious. The Final Four tournament 
was canceled, and I know there's, there's you know, teams like Duke and Gonzaga and these other, other teams maybe that never made it, were on the road to make it, and they said, are you serious? I can't believe this has happened. Then, of course, our NBA season was canceled, and on March 26, Governor Paulist announced a statewide stay-at-home order. That's when all of us had our living room workouts and we stayed at home. And no, not all of you had living room workouts, okay? But it's like, I had a living room workout and, and uh, all, all of that happened. And then, of course, recently, July 16, Governor Polis announced a statewide mask order. In my life, in my short life, I have never seen or experienced a layer of fear over our country like I have now. There is a layer of fear that's over our country. Maybe it's a fear of dying, or maybe it's a fear of being, contag being infected or, or being contagious, or a fear of, of symptoms, or you know, we, we cough and we wonder if that's it. We run up a flight of stairs and we wonder if that's it. You know, whatever it is, we have this fear that, oh my goodness, this could be it. There's a fear of the invisible a fear of the invisible. Uh, we're in a brand new series today, or this weekend, starting called Do Not Fear. Do Not Fear is mentioned um, over 365 times in the Bible. Why is that? Now, I believe God knows that we just have a propensity to fear. That's just the way we're wired as creatures. Now, we have, sometimes we have a fear of being alone, Sometimes we have a fear of losing someone or losing something. Sometimes we have a fear of other people not liking us. Might have that fear. Or you have another fear of, of, uh, of maybe you're not enough to someone else or, or a fear of, of the dark or whatever it is, or a fear of death or a fear of whatever. You can just fill in the blank. But that's just the way we are wired. Sometimes we're so afraid of ourselves that we put a lot of energy in showing other people how strong we are, how tough we are, how might we are, and all that kind of stuff. But in the back of all that, we live with this fear over and over. It's this fear that's there. And it's just there. We went, I went out fishing with some guys. We took Riley out to, uh, to Alma, Colorado. And I wanted him to get a little taste of, of Colorado. And while we were there, we were catching fish. And I kept thinking, what would happen if we just brought up a big old great white shark? Wouldn't that be, like, terrifying for us? Like, what in the world would happen? And, uh, and I, I thought, while we were walking around the woods, I was thinking, what if we came across a little black fur or a big black furry animal? You know, like, what would happen there? How, how fast would we run if a situation like that happened? But fear is just out there in a lot of different ways. And, and I, I believe this virus has bubbled up, bubbled up a lot of fear. Um, so for the next nine weeks, we're going to be looking at stories in the Bible related to fear. And they're all different stories. They're all different stories, so don't feel like if you heard one, you've heard them all. I want to encourage you to listen, to watch, and tune in to all nine weeks involving this fear. I, you know, as I prayed about this next series, I, I thought, gosh, I can't think of a more appropriate series to go through than Do Not Fear. Can't think of a more appropriate series, Do Not Fear. Corey Ten Boom said this, worry is a cycle of inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. Think about that. Inefficient thoughts whirling around this center 
of fear. The, the, part of the element of fear is we, some of us have really good imaginations, and I believe those of us who are very creative and have really great imaginations, that fear becomes even stronger because we think about, we imagine all the scenarios this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen, and this can happen. And our world, you know, we, we were living in our imagination, and then it affects our reality. And we think, oh, no, don't do that, or don't do that, whatever it is, or I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm afraid this might happen, or whatever it is, and then it becomes like that. A question, or the, the, the title today is, When Concern Becomes Worry. When concern becomes worry. Sometimes we say stuff like, I'm not worried, I'm just, you know, I'm just concerned. Uh, and, and we might put that on there, maybe to make us feel better. And maybe we're actually concerned, but maybe we're worried and we're just trying to make ourselves feel better and putting the word concern on there instead. But truth is, it's affecting us physically, mentally. We're not able to sleep, whatever it is. What is worry? Let's start off with this right here. What is worry? Worry is this, these are some definitions I found, to torment oneself with or, with or suffer from disturbing thoughts or fret. Torment oneself. Another definition is this, to torment with cares, anxieties, trouble, or plague. Another definition says it like this, to give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And I think the key word in there is dwell. Dwell. In the old English language, the verb worry means to strangle or choke. In the old English language, literally, you know, I, I have this vision of putting someone's hands around another throat or whatever, and just choke. That's exactly what worry is. Uh, in Matthew um, chapters 5, 6, and 7, um, this is a famous sermon, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Say 5, 6, and 7 with me. And it's called what, church? Sermon on the Mount. Okay, he goes up to this mountain, and he preaches this lights-out message, and, and he hits all of these topics, he hits all of these topics. And all of these topics that he hits, uh, they're pretty popular in that day, and they're certainly popular today. Um, in Matthew chapter five, you, if you read the famous Beatitudes. Blessed are those, blessed are those, and blessed are those, and blessed are those. He talks about prayer in here. He talks about fasting. He talks about anger. He talks about lust. He talks about adultery. He talks about divorce, he talks about marriage, he talks about remarriage, he talks about all of these things, and he also talks about worry in chapter six. We're gonna look at that right now. Matthew chapter six, six, verse 25 says it like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about, any, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father, what church? Feeds them. Are you not more, much more valuable than they can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not? What church, those two words. Will he not? Much more. more, Clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Let's just read verse 33 out loud, guys. It's such a strong verse. They're all strong, but this is a great, great memory verse for all of us. Let's go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Come on. And all these things will be given to you as well. Mm. Verse 34 says, therefore, therefore, say therefore with me, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm. What worries you? What's concerning to you? I'll ask the same question online. What worries you? What concerns you? When you look at this passage, you learn a lot. First of all, uh, verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you. When you incidentally, when, when Jesus says, therefore, what I want you to do, I'm going to give you some homework. You go to Matthew chapter, chapter 6, and when you see the word, therefore, <clears throat> in verse 25, I just want you to read everything before verse 25. You can start at verse 1. Because he's saying so much about, he, he talks about giving and he talks about praying. He talks about forgiving. He talks about fasting and prayer and your treasures. Um, and, and verse 22 says, the eye is the lamp of your bodies. And he talks about that. Then he talks about wealth. And then he says, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And he uses the word therefore in there. And the word therefore is implied. Look, if you see, if you, if you understand all of this, if you understand who God is, and if you understand how God looks at life, if you understand how much he loves you, therefore, therefore, say therefore with me, do not worry. So it's a shift of thinking. It's a shift of the mind. And God wants you to have a biblical perspective in this world, a perspective that's colored by his word. God's trying to give you a new perspective. This is like spiritual warfare. (laughs) God's giving you this. He wants you to see things through his word, and he wants you to look at problems through his word. He wants you to look at people through his word. He wants you to look at today and the troubles and the future through his word. And this phrase, do not worry, the force of this phrase in the original Greek language means this, that of forbidding the continuance of an action already going on. Let me say it again. That of forbidding the continuance of an action already going on. In other words, stop perpetually worrying about even one 
thing. Take no thought. And it's this idea of it's, it's in your head and it's a concern, but you don't have to let it live there. You don't have to, it's okay to have a concern. There's a difference. We're going to talk about concern and worry. But stop perpetually worrying about even one thing. Forbidding the continuance of an action that's already going on. It's the spiritual discipline to say, okay, that has been living in my head too long. I need to give it to God. When you recognize this has been in my head too long, this is sitting in my heart too long, this is affecting me. When you recognize that, you need to say, God, I'm going to give this to you. I'm not gonna let it, I'm not gonna let it take up square footage in my head anymore. I'm not gonna have a, a, a bed anymore for it in the basement floor. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna let, I want this thing out, so I'm going to give it to you. Forbidding the continuance of an, art, an action already going on. I like what Craig Rochelle said. He said that fear is a choice, but so is faith. Fear is a choice, but so is faith. You could make a simple decision and say, yep, that's a legitimate concern, but I'm going to give it to God. There's, that's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. My work situation, my family member, this virus, whatever it is, what you see on the news, my goodness, we see the news, and if you watch the news long enough, you'll be discouraged. You'll be discouraged, and you'll be looking for that virus under your bed, everywhere. The Greek word for worry is a combination of two Greek words. Here it is. It means to divide, and the second half of it is Mind, your mind. It, it, it literally, these two words, when you put them together, it's mramnau, mramnau. And it literally means a divided mind. It's like what James talks about. It's a divided mind, mramnau. This word, divided mind, it, you really have to think about this because you know what? If I were the devil, I would do everything possible to try to get you to have a divided mind. Because if I could get into your head, if I can get into your head where your thoughts are at, where your imagination goes, if I can get into your head and get you to think in a divided way, if I could plant fear in there and you have a divided mind and then divided thoughts, then you're off balance, you're spiritually off balance and you're not able to fix your eyes on Jesus. You're not able to do that. I like a, I want you to hear this, the devil wants to divide your mind. The devil wants to divide your mind. You know, God is calling you to do this, but the enemy wants, to, wants, you, wants you to be distracted. He's, that's, he's looking at ways to distract you all the time. I like what T.D. Jake said. He said, your mind is the lion's teeth. It's the eagle's wings. It's the elephant's weight. It's the cheetah's speed. Isn't that good? Your mind is incredibly powerful. Your thoughts are incredibly powerful. For as a man thinks, so he is. Your thoughts are incredible. But this is not just positive thinking. This is fixing your mind on Jesus Christ, fixing your mind on God, looking to God's word. So this isn't self-meditation or anything like that. This isn't yoga. This is fixing your mind on God's word and trusting in his promises. Totally different. 
Now, in the Bible, this word miram now appears over and over, and it means concern, but it could, also mean, it could also mean worry. But let me give you some positive examples. This is probably something you've never heard in church. These are positive examples of concern, not worry. This is concern. Here's, here's one, Philippians chapter 2 says this. I ho- these are pa- this is Paul, words of Paul. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. So he's talking about Timothy. Timothy had a genuine madam now for other people's welfare. He just he was just concerned. It doesn't say worry. But his problems, their problems are his problems. He has a genuine concern for their for their welfare. That's, that's a good concern. That's Madame now in a positive way. Second Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says this, besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. There it is again. It's a genuine concern that, you know, maybe it's, I hope these churches are doing okay financially. I hope they're making it. You know, in the early days of the church, there was a pandemic and, and they chose to love on those who were sick and those who were ill. And maybe they were saying, I hope that everybody keeps their faith. I hope they keep walking with God. I hope they stay connected to their church. I hope they don't get off the bus. There was a genuine concern for all the churches. This is a good thing. Genuine concern. Now, here's some negative uses of miram now. This is when it becomes over-concern or anxiousness or worry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 famously says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, here's what you do. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There it is. Instead of becoming anxious, where it's this, it's like this line that you have. You're concerned here and it's living in your head. But if you keep walking this way, there's this line where it, it, it jumps like to worry. You know, it's kind of like that. It jumps to worry and anxiousness and all this kind of stuff. And God is telling us, no, 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 be anxious for, for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, instead, lift it up in prayer and pray about it. You don't have to be anxious about that situation or your finances or a virus or whatever. Instead, lift it up in prayer. I like what Max Lucado said. He said, no one can pray and worry at the same time. Isn't that good? You can't pray and worry at the same time. You just pray and you say, God, help me. Help me with this person. Help me with this situation, God, whatever it is. Here's another example of a, a negative midam now. Verse chapter 13 of Matthew says this. The seed, he's talking, this is the parable of the sower. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, and there it is right there, choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's when you become overwhelmed and the actual worries of this life can choke you spiritually can choke you spiritually, describes this. And then here's another example. Jesus famously tells Martha this and, and that she crossed the line. It's in Luke chapter 10. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary 
who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know anyone like that? Some of you are the first ones to wash dishes and some of you are the first ones to lie on the couch. You know what I'm talking about? And, and those of you who are washing the dishes are looking over and saying, don't you see what I'm doing over here? We're not done yet. What are you doing? I'd like to look at my phone and look at YouTube videos too. What do you think you're doing? I want to chill out too. I want to veg out too. I'm over here working and slaving away. Who do you think I am? You know, you, get, you know what I'm talking about? Just goes over there. And you start making the dishes louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. I'm sorry. Am I distracting you? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll do all that stuff. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I, I do believe it pleases God, and, and it's, it's good on the relationships when you help with each other. That's a good thing. But Jesus is telling Martha that she's being distracted. Jesus is in her house. This doesn't happen all the time. He's only, his ministry lasted for three years. And he's in her house. And Jesus is telling Martha, Martha, you don't recognize the presence. You don't recognize the opportunity. You need to spend time here. And I think right now, as we navigate through this pandemic, the most effective thing you can do is come to the house of the Lord in the very presence of God and worship with your brothers and sisters. It helps us fix our eyes on Christ, helps us get, get back to north, helps us put everything in order. And, and Jesus is communicating with her. He's saying, don't perpetually worry about one thing, Martha. Just don't worry about it. Jesus is saying something else here. He's saying the way a believer thinks should be distinctly different from the way an unbeliever thinks. And you see this over and over in the Bible. He says, even pagans worry about that. Oh, you of little faith. And Jesus says, what are you doing? You're acting like you have no God. You're acting like God doesn't see you. You're acting like God doesn't care about you. You're acting like God is on vacay or something. God is with you and he sees everything. The pagans think like that. The non-believers think like that, but you're not them. You have a hope and a faith and a walk with God, a relationship with God. See, if, if your concern becomes anxiety, it's worry. If your concern affects your peace, it's worry. If your concern affects your sleep, it's worry. If your concern affects your state of mind, it's worry. If you perpetually think about it, it's worry. If you've said it 10 times, it's worry. You need to give it to God. Verse 25, Jesus said, do not worry about your what church about your what? Life. You know that word? You know that word life? You know what it literally means in this verse? It means your soul. It means your soul. Do not worry about your soul. And, and in other words, your soul belongs to God. In Ezekiel chapter 18, 
God says, behold, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. Turn to the person next and you just tell them your soul belongs to God. Can you do that? You get in, are you feeling what's coming down here? Is it starting, is there a fire that's starting just a little bit? You know, you're getting that fire going and, and God is telling you, look, your soul belongs to me. Jesus is making it clear. He's saying, he, he said, your life, your, he said, don't worry about your life. In other words, don't worry about your soul. Don't worry about it. You put your faith in God. Your soul belongs to God. Concern becomes worry when you forget who has your soul. Concern becomes worry when you forget who has your soul. You don't have to worry about anything. What would you fear? Man can't destroy your soul. Man doesn't have that ability. They can take whatever they want. Anything could happen. Your body is, is, your, your body is, is getting older and older. It's just part of life, but your soul belongs to God. And Jesus says, look at the birds. You ever, you know, just outside, I have a nest outside of my, 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 my door, my front door, and it's right by my gutter. And there's part of me that wants to get like my big old saltwater fishing rod and reel you know, to knock it down. But there's another part of me, I just leave it alone. Because every time I see that bird up there, and it comes around every year, I don't know how the bird remembers where the nest is at. But every year it comes around at the right time, and they do their business. You know what I'm saying? I leave them alone. And then the little babies are there. And every time I see that, you know what I think about? God loves me. I don't have anything to worry about. Do you ever just look at birds and think about God's love? You ever do that? You just look at birds, and there was a little bird that was jumping around while we were, we were fishing, and he was just eating whatever it is. And I started thinking, gosh, I wonder if this bird ever worries if there's not going to be enough food for him. You ever think like a bird? Like what, I wonder if this bird is ever concerned that he's going to show up and there's not going to be any food. I don't think birds worry. Do you? I don't think they worry. So when I see that bird hopping around the rocks and gnawing on whatever it's gnawing on, and it looked pretty fat, so I know it's living large and living good, I think about God's love for you and for me. And I think, how in the world should I ever doubt? Why would I ever doubt? I don't want to get to heaven and look around and see the beauty and glory of God and think, oh my goodness, I wish I would have lived, lived by faith when I was in the world, in the, in, in, in the earth. I wish I would have lived by faith. I don't want to think like that. Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Concern becomes worry when you forget God cares about you. When you forget God cares about you. When you face troubles and challenges in life and things that happen that don't make sense and God doesn't move on your timetable and he doesn't move quick enough or you've been hurt or whatever it is, you need to remember that God cares about you and he's going to use everything for his glory. He's gonna use everything for his purpose. He's so creative and he's so good. He's gonna use everything for his purpose even when it doesn't make sense to you. Even if someone gets sick that you think, why in the world are they sick? Or whatever happens, or your job, even, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff because God cares for you. Francis Chan said this, worry implies that we don't quite trust God is big enough. Mm. Worry implies that we don't trust God is quite, quite big enough. It's this idea of, you know what, God, this is a big problem. I need to take this one on my own, God. 
I'm not sure if you've got the spiritual guns to take. I'm going to take care of this. If I let it sit in me, if I perpetually think about it, somehow it's going to be better. Jesus said, well, don't even do that because it's not productive. It doesn't even add a day. It doesn't add a minute. It doesn't add an hour. Just don't even worry. Don't even worry. Don't even worry. Jesus said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? See, it doesn't change your circumstances. It doesn't change your days. It doesn't change any hearts. Concern becomes worry when you forget who is the God of time. That's when concern becomes worry. Jesus said this little phrase. Did you see it? He said, oh, you of little faith. If there was ever a pot shot where I feel like Jesus hits below the belt, this is it right here. It's just like, whoa, whoa, I'm just concerned. I'm just overly concerned. Don't talk about my faith now. And Jesus makes this connection between worry and our spiritual life. And he's saying, look, those people who worry a lot, they have little faith. Now, that's offensive, isn't it? That's offensive. Jesus is saying, those people who worry a lot, they have little faith. You may call yourself a Christian. You may go to church. You may think pretty, pretty proudly about yourself. But Jesus says, if you worry a lot, you have little faith. And then you can flip it around. Those people who have much faith, don't worry. Everything in here is pointing to this one thing. And you know what it is? Uh, I'm going to push people away with this comment, but I'm going to tell you, this is what Scripture says. Everything in here, as much as Jesus talks about worry, he's saying worry is a sin. That's where he's going. And you might think, whoa, whoa. And if you look at Scripture, everything about it, when in fact we commit sin when we worry, Psalm chapter 38 says this, for I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. See, concern becomes worry when you choose to believe what you see instead of trusting God with what you don't see. Isn't that good? I just feel like that's from the Lord. I want to read it again. Concern becomes worry when you choose to believe what you see instead of trusting God with what you don't see. It's this decision. All this is happening on the news and illness or whatever it is, and it's this decision that says, God, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm trusting you, God. I see everything happening in this world, but you are my God and you are my hope. Strengthen my faith. Give me courage. Give me courage. Give me strength to walk by faith and not by sight. It's that kind of decision that says, God, I'm going to trust you. First Peter says it like this, cast all your anxiety, say all with me, cast all your anxiety on him because why church? And this word cast is so important. It's so important. I need something to throw. Uh, it's so important. <clears throat> I'll take off my jacket. It's so important. It's this idea of I'm worried about this and I'm, I'm just really concerned about this and I'm carrying it around and I'm tired of carrying it around. I've given it too much status in my life and I'm going to cast it off. I'm, I'm going to give it to Jesus. It's a definite act of the will. 
It's a choice where I'm giving it to him and I'm going to walk away from it now. I'm not going to go back and pick it up when it's a hard day. I'm not going to go back and pick it up when I feel weak. I am casting it off on my God. I am giving it away. I'm casting it to him and I'm going to walk without it. I know it's out there and it's a matter of prayer now. It has moved from a, from a worry to a place of prayer and I'm trusting my God. That's a definite act of the will. This word cares literally means it is a care to him concerning you. In other words, your welfare is his concern. Your welfare is his concern. Your well-being is his concern. I was driving with my son one day and all of his life, my children, both of my children, by the grace of God, they've gotten a meal every day. I feel like as a father, I've been pretty successful in that area. They've gotten a meal every day. And when he's with me, he doesn't have to worry about anything, neither he or my daughter, Hannah. I look at their shoes and, and the truth is I, 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 I identify problems probably faster than them. I look at their shoes that are getting worn out and I notice them probably quicker than them. You know what I mean? Parents, anyone, you know what I'm talking about? You see that stuff and you're like, hey, wait a minute, those pairs of blue jeans, you got a hole in there now. You've, have you noticed that? Yeah, it's no big deal. No, 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 it's a big deal to me. The parent sees those things and you say, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you walk around like that. I love you. I love you. And even as parents, we're willing to do without sometimes, aren't we? And you know what? The truth is sometimes kids don't even know that we've done, we've been without. We give them the last meal or whatever it is that we're eating. We give them that bigger piece of chicken fried steak or bacon and eggs or whatever. We give it to them and they have no clue we're loving on them behind their back. And when I was with my son the other day, I was with him and I said, hey, how does it feel to be with someone and never worry about paying for anything? How does it feel to be with someone and never worry about your food? How does that feel? And he said, it feels good, Dad. And I think about my life. My Heavenly Father has taken care of me. He's provided for me. Uh, he's been with me. I'm not putting back on my problem. Just want you to be clear about that. I just get a little call. <laughs> he cares about me. He loves me. And my walk with my Heavenly Father, like I never have to worry about anything. He just watches over me. See, the, 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 the issue around worry is the question about God's character. Are, do you wonder who God is? Do you question who God is? Do you question God's character for you? Do you question whether God's going to do what he says he's going to do? Do you question the credibility of God's word? That's the essence. That's a battleground. It's the battleground of the mind, the battleground of worry. Your welfare is his concern. He knows the desire of your heart. Just because he doesn't move as quickly as you'd like him to move doesn't mean he is forsaking you. He's with you. He takes care of you. Jesus said this in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. It's a choice. And then Jesus wrapped it all up in verse 33. And he, we read this together and he said this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Therefore, say therefore with me one more time. Do not worry about tomorrow. 
for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I sent an email out today. Anybody get an email from me today? You got an email? We have, um, we have a, um, a high school graduate that just was tested positive, COVID, a few, day, a few days ago. And I, I let everyone know about it because I do believe in being transparent. I believe that's important. And I'm doing my, ba- my best as a pastor to, ex- to live, be an example of, of wisdom and faith. Because I believe those, both of those go together. Act, live it out in wisdom and faith. So um, this is a, a sweet, sweet, sweet girl. I emailed you. You can take a look at it and know, know, know that person. But um, you know what happened when I, when I heard? My heart went out to them. Because this is a young woman who did not have a high school uh, graduation ceremony. This is a young woman who did not have a high school graduation party. This is a young woman who didn't have a high school prom. And, and it was just so happened this Sunday was going to be her high school graduation party. She was her second attempt. And then this just happened. So they're at home. The family's doing well. And they're going to stay quarantined until they get healthy. But I want you to pray for them. Can you do that? Can you pray for them? The other thing that the Lord stirred in my heart is this. I'm asking God, God, how can Thorn Creek Church love better during this season? I want you to know our, our example. You know, people might wonder, okay, Reuben, what church do you look at to say that's a successful church? You know, what pastor influences you? So I'm going to tell you the name of the church that really influences me that I strive to be. Here it is. You find it in Acts chapter 2. It's called the early church. That's the church that I look at. And I look at that early church and I look at the way they loved. I look at the way they loved when they were under the hand of this evil emperor named Nero. And I look at the way they loved when there was a pandemic and there were people, the world was kicking out sick people out of their houses and literally putting them on in the streets and the Christians were the ones who went in to minister to them out in the streets. Literally, many Christians lost their lives when they did that. But the love of Christians became famous and the church multiplied exponentially. It grew. This is a time for us to be the church. This is a time for us to come together. I want to ask you to don't think about just your own family and within your own walls. I want to get you to look at this as a mission field right now. And we have an opportunity to love. So I'm just telling you where my heart's going. I am, and just within me, I'm praying and saying, God, how can we minister directly to those who have that COVID virus? Maybe it means go and getting groceries for them. And, and maybe it means standing on their front lawn and just singing to them or praying for them or whatever it is. But how can we love them in a way that's unique, that's early church-like? How could we do that? That's where my head's at. And I want to challenge you to just join me. I'm going to let everyone, I'm praying about this right now. And within the next week or so, I want to just unveil what God's doing in my heart. But I want to ask you to start praying right now as well. If you have any ideas on how we can love during this time, let me know. But let's be an example, not of fear, 
but of power and love and a sound mind, right? Let's be an example of what it means to walk by faith in the midst of this pandemic. An example of saying, God, I'm going to keep doing what you're calling me to do. I'm going to trust you, God, and I'm going to walk by faith. I'm not going to worry about anything, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to trust you. And I want other people to see my faith, and I want them to see you, Jesus. Anybody with me, are you willing to accept this challenge? Would you put your hands together if you're willing to accept this challenge? Let's do this together. I believe this could turn Thornton upside down. I believe it could turn Denver Metro upside down. I could believe it could turn the state of Colorado upside down. If we just say, God, I'll do it. I'm your hands and your feet, and I'm willing to do this. Well, God, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you, God. Let me just start off by saying this. If you need to receive Jesus Christ into your life, would you say this prayer? Would you say, Jesus, I turn to you. And as best as I know how, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I want to repent of them. I don't want to go back and do them. I just want to turn away from that life. And Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to be a Christian. So be my Lord of my past and my present and my future and help me to walk by faith with you and help me to be obedient. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me. And all of you who worry, maybe you need to say this prayer. God, right now I choose to cast my worry on you. I'm not going to worry about it and I'm going to throw it on you right now in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to worry about that situation anymore. I'm not going to worry about that money or that work or that illness or that neighbor or that friend or that family. I'm just going to give it to you, God. I'm going to give it to you. And Jesus, increase my faith. Make me stronger. And, and, and show me if, if that concern becomes a worry and I start kicking it around more than I should, immediately, God, show it to me and I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. Thank you, God. Our faith is in you. Our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.